Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for this day that we have in the house of the Lord. Thank you for your word, which is a lamp unto our feet. It's spiritual nourishment to a part of our existence that will not be fed anywhere else. It's through your word that we're fed spiritually, and that spiritual nourishment will make us strong. And this is what overcomes this world, our faith. When money runs out, when friends run out, when relationships run out, when our careers are gone, it's our faith that will sustain us in your presence. So we pray that you would strengthen us and that we welcome your word in our hearts, that we not sin and go contrary to you, that our thoughts would not rebel, but that our thoughts would welcome your word and that it would be a lamp unto our feet, Lord. We pray that it would be a light unto our path, that it will be the inheritance of those who seek your face. Bless your word and prosper it in our hearts, in our lives, and allow us to attain good success through the keeping and the obeying of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Last week in the house of God, it was phenomenal. We were talking about uh, there are things that keep us away from the promised land. Um, back in the old days when, when, um, when God would tell Moses, go and tell my uh, Pharaoh and Egypt and, and all of his armies to let my people go. They were slaves there for 400 years. <coughs> Excuse me. And being slaves in a place for 400 years, you almost become like that place. And they were more slave-minded than they were in their capacity to be free. Uh, I'm a lawyer, and I represented many of my clients over years. And they would love to get arrested to go back to the structure of prison and jail. Because life out of prison and life out of jail had no structure. So they, they would go out, sometimes no food. And so these, these guys would go and commit a crime uh, so they could go back into jail. In fact, in the wintertime, you'll see the, the homeless downtown, they'll commit some type of uh, small crime, misdemeanor, uh, so they could go to jail and get a warm bed or a warm blanket or a pillow because they don't have that. And so for many of us, to live as a slave is more inviting than to live with the liberty of the freedom. It's horrible to see a man cheat on his wife, for example. He has a wife. What would leave him to go into the fatal attraction of an illicit relationship? It's really crazy. But for the mindset of slavery, some people can't break it. Uh, and, and, and for uh, the mindset of liberty, it feels good to be free. It feels real good not to be subject to your lust. And to the passions of the flesh. And so we're talking about last week in the book of Hebrews, we talked about if God is calling us to a land that flows with milk and honey, and we read those verses, um, if he's calling us to a land where we could imagine the, just the outpouring of everything God has for us, why would the people of Israel be arguing and fighting and yelling? Uh, don't you know it's better to live in the prosperity of God than under the yoke of sin, under the, the horrible um, 
the, the things that the devil sets up to destroy. John chapter 10, verse 10, uh, the contrast is there for all of us. You're either going to be subject to him who kills, to steal, and to destroy. The devil exists, and he's going to deprive you and diminish you and take from you. And so you ask if that's what you want to express who you are. You can tell a land that's been, um, they were telling us yesterday, I was talking with Mr. Orta. He says, me and my wife went to work one day, and when we came back, somebody broke in our house. And, and this was years ago when they first got married. Uh, they, they, they stirred up our house, and they, it's an awful feeling to allow the devil to have something on you and to shake up what's yours. But then the contrast is Jesus. While the thief comes to do a diminishing, destructive work, I have come. Jesus, people hate Jesus. People have an argument against Jesus. They, oh, why are you so Jesus? Because it's a good thing to be around Jesus. He's come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. So everything that, that he comes to give is, is widespread. Sometimes it's so widespread in the abundance of good that we think we're living a dream. We can't believe that God is actually with open heavens over our lives. And, and I, I some often think, man, my marriage has to have more troubles. There should be more turbulence in my relationship with my wife. Guess what? No. There's, there's a refreshing climate. We call it uh, God's greenhouse. If you come in within the parameters of what he cares for, things are lush and they flourish and are fruitful. And you don't lack anything. The Lord is my shepherd. I will not need anything because everything is bestowed over our house and our family. People, oh, you, you brag too much. I can't, I can't help but telling you I have great peace. I have great peace in my life. And, and you say, well, how do you, because you, you have a psychiatrist brother. He must give you some good pharmaceuticals. No, my friend, my pharmaceuticals, and you can write it down. I'll give you a prescription right now. Psalms 119, verse 165. 119, verse 165. Look what it says. Great peace have those who keep your commandments. Nothing causes them disturbance. 119, 165. Psalm 119, verse 165. It says, great peace. You, you can't find that anywhere. That's what people are looking for. It's not a big bank account that, that allows you to have great peace. Great peace have those who love your word, your law, your parameters. These people have the, the word peace there is, is, is an expression of the base word in the Hebrew language, peace is shalom. There's a word called shalak, which is prosperity. When you begin to prosper, you experience peace. And this is what God has for you. And you're out there trying to find it in something or someone. And you're trying to find some, uh, some effect that will give you the sense of peace, of promise, of stability. And the only thing that does that is God's word. And so that prescription is free of charge. Don't worry about it. Give it to your doctor. Give it to your counselor. Give it to your psychologist. Give it to your psychiatrist. Tell them, look, this is the secret of great peace. is to live in conformity with God's word. And anything else 
is the opposite, great anxiety, depression. It steals your joy to not have great peace, to not have great joy. Nothing, say with me, nothing causes you to be disturbed. Nothing will cause you disturbance if you're living like God wants you to live. So last week we were talking about, we, it's a shame that God would have for us a place and a reality of existence that's flowing with milk and honey. Remember, he's calling you out of Egypt and into the promised land. And I would like you to suggest that historically the promised land is the land of Canaan. But that's just a metaphor or an illustration for those of us who have not a, it's a lamb that is sacrificed, but it's the lamb of God, Jesus, his son, the lamb that takes, the real lamb. It's not some lamb you go and find in your flock. It's the son of God who is presented as a, as a, as a sacrifice for all your sins, for everything that steals peace from your conscience. And we said that is a reality. Um, for some people, they tell us that's a fantasy world. Um, one of my friends who's a lawyer says, Joaquin, I just want to ask you a question. Do you really believe all that? And I said, yeah, that's why I'm a believer and you're an unbeliever. See the difference? I believe in all that God says, and therefore, my life has become an expression, and I'm not there yet. I press on. I want more peace. I want more reality in the promise, not of man, of God. His promises are yes and amen. They're real. They're authentic. They're legitimate. I wrote in one, my first book, I wrote these words, the saddest thing in the earth is a Christian that is not drinking from the fountain of life. Amen. The saddest thing. Because you have a Bible, you go to church, you belong to a community of Christians, but it's not real to you. You leave this place and have to go seeking for something else. When he is the fountain of life, he delivers his promises uh, just look, this is, this is the measure the Bible says. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we hope and ask for. He's, he's bringing, so, so we got into that yes, uh, last week in the book of Hebrews. In the book of Hebrews, if you, a lot of people don't like the book of Hebrews. It's complicated. It's, a, it, it's set in a historical metaphor of high priest and Melchizedek and sacrifice and mediation. It, all these things that are in that book. But here's all the words that I find in the book of Hebrews, which gives me an understanding that if we sink in a little bit and stop being baby Christians, Lechita, Compota, Gerber, we gotta, stop. We got to grow up now because here it is. The book of Hebrews says, in Christ, who is speaking to us, it's a better messenger than an angel. It says in Hebrews 1.4, he says, what appeared to us with information from heaven was not Mark, Archangel Gabriel or Michael. 
It wasn't the appearance of an announcement from some heavenly host having become better than angels. So in the book of Hebrews, the the word more superior, the uh, more uh, sublime, something a provision above the ordinary eternal provision. Here it goes. Having become so much better than angels, he has by inheritance obtained a more better or excellent, I don't think more better is proper grammar, but a more excellent name. You're not going to say, Pastor, I just want an angel to come from heaven and to tell me that God is real. No, my friend, the Son of God. Jesus himself has come to the earth and he has proclaimed this cross. It was beautiful. Yesterday, a, a young boy, he went on a cruise with his mom. He's five years old. And he says, Pastor, I was on the cruise with my mom and dad and mom are separated now. But when I was on the cruise with my mom, I, I looked over at the gift shop and I saw a cross. And I remembered my dad because his dad is bringing him to church. And he says, I got the biggest cross they had at that gift shop. He says, I wish it was bigger. I'm going to imagine this, the five-year-old kid lugging a, he was like, the expression of what has broken my dad's depression and his, his bankruptcy and his, all the, the stuff that he had is the cross of Jesus, a five-year-old was able to bring back from the cruise and on his mind. It wasn't Shamu or, or Flipper or, or some other gift shop item. It was the cross. The cross. The cross that, that brought life to his dad. And he says, Dad, you've marked my life five years old. And he's telling me yesterday, Pastor, I got the biggest one that was there. And, and I don't know what, how big that was, maybe 6, 12 inches. But, but if there would have been a 5-foot cross, that little kid would have come home with a 5-foot cross. And it was a gift to his dad as a reminder of the cross. There's power in the cross. It's a better-than-angels scenario. There's, there's entire cults. There's entire spiritual uh, groups that, that are on, hey, there's an angel, and there's an angel. I was like, listen to me. Look a little bit above that, and there's a God. There's a God named, named Jesus Christ who came to the earth. And, and not only is he better than angels, his name is more powerful. His name is powerful. If you're ever stuck, try the name of Jesus. You're going to see heaven open towards you. And still, the Cubans like, you know, that we are talking about yesterday. In Cuba, if you were born on January, God knows what, you, you, they call you Barbara because that's the day of La Santa Barbara. Or if you got born on October, it's San Lazaro. It's different days. I'm not sure what they are. But in every day of the year, there's a patron saint. And your parents would give you the name of that saint. But listen to me. Uh, the Bible says that the name of Jesus is more powerful. So we were talking about that, a better, a better than angels, better name. Here's all the better stuff that I found in the book of Hebrews. Better than prophets, better than priests, better than a high priest. Melchizedek, now Jesus is the high priest. Better than any other mediator that could stand between you and God. Who would you pick? Who would you pick to be the person that would give you palanca? That's a Cuban word of favor, you know, because you know somebody. And, and there, at the right hand of God, he lives forever to make intercession, to pray for you. 
to mention your name before God, saying, I died for Omar. I died for Ralph. I died for Wavy. He's talking to God about you. There's not no madrina, padrino, mama chencha, all this stuff that men look for. I talked to the, the bishop, the cardinal. No, my friend, talk to God. Talk to God in Jesus' name. He stands as a better mediator. Uh, the Bible says only one mediator between man and God, Jesus Christ. So don't go to third parties. It's a better sacrifice. There's better blood involved. It's not goats and bulls. A better hope. Better promises. A better covenant. He says a new covenant. The covenant is in his blood. That's what God is looking at now. It makes it a better ministry, a better tabernacle with better benefits. So that we saw that those who refuse to come to this reality are now stuck outside of heaven. And we have named today's message pitfalls that keep us out of the land of milk and honey. Now, why would you allow something to hold you from coming into this reality? And you say, Lord, this is not milk and honey earthly. This is milk and honey heavenly. This is a provision that comes down like the dew of heaven upon those. Uh, the questions were asked often in the Old Testament, Psalm 24, verse 3. Who, who can have access to these things? We start measuring. I will let the A students come in, the honor students come in, but not the C students. Definitely not the F students. And so he says, who can ascend this hill of the Lord? Are you concerned that, that you raise your life up, your marriage up, your family up to get to that place of perfect provision? Who can occupy in his holy place? There were always standards that allowed people to come to this place. David enjoyed this reality in the Old Testament. He was living a life that few were living because few were in his presence. And David loved to be in his presence and would ask, who can come and, and dwell at this place? Uh, I want to suggest that whenever you're going to go to a high place, there's going to be requirements upon your life. Not, not everybody. Paul says not everybody wins a race that is run. Not everyone who fights in a boxing and wrestling match wins. It's who's exerted the effort. Who may occupy this place? Who may ascend to heaven? And verse 4 begins to talk about these things. And you just consider them because God wants them to make them a reality in your life. He who has clean hands. He whose life is, and, and when I first got to church, I saw all these Christians with their hands raised up to heaven. I was like, no, Raya. I'm going to hide my hands. Because when, when, when they say, stick them up, sir, and you're like, I'm holding nothing back. I'm not going to try anything. I'm here. This is what you're doing when you're worshiping God. God, I want to come before you with nothing hidden. This is who I am. This is what I am. Lord, you can do something in my life. So I, I started here. Ooh, yeah, here I am, Lord. And then here. Oh, and I was like, these freaks are all like this. Because I learned how to be free and say, God, have mercy from the top of my head to the sole of my feet. I need your mercy. I need you. I need to raise up holy hands in the temple. Who has clean hands? Who is, who is living with life 
at, 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 in a posture where, where you're doing what pleases God with your life. And, and you, you know some a lot of people run. Adam, the first man, ran, and he hid his hands. And the Lord says, Adam, where are you? He says, I was scared, so I hid. If you're afraid of God, you're going to hide from God. So you have to say, Lord, allow me to have that love that cast out all fear. God loves you when you were a perverted sinner, when you were a crazy, obscene, dirty, defiled, debauchery filled Your life was a mess in the sewer, and he looked upon you with love. If in that condition God loves you, how much more now that you know the Lord and that you've come to him as a son? So we have all these standards. I was talking to one man. Um, You guys know the story of the prodigal son. Imagine the prodigal son at the pig pen eating with pigs. If you don't get an image there, come with me to my horse stable to clean it this afternoon. There's no smellier place. Horses are clean. Pigs are dirty. Unclean. One friend told me, Joaquin, you don't know why pigs are dirty? I said, I really don't understand that because I think all animals are beautiful. I didn't understand. He says, pigs are the only animal that eat their own poop. I go, ooh, that's unclean. That's why they're called unclean animals. And so God sees you there in that poop condition with the pig pens, all terrible, and he loved you. And then you run to him, and he clothes you, he washes you, he puts a ring on your face, he puts sandals on your feet. He says, you're my son over there, and you're my son here. You're my beloved son. We don't understand that. He's like, until I take a shower and get clean, then God's going to like me. No, my friend, he likes you, and possibly when you're at your lowest in life. The expression of his love is, is so sobering. You will never get wasted again when you understand the love of God, the embrace of the Lord. And he comes to, to heal all these things. So clean hands, and then not only on the outside, but a pure heart on the inside. That, that's the greatest gift that God gave me. I don't have to pretend to be a Christian. I don't have to act, and I don't have to dress on the outside. You go all the way deep inside. You see a heart that's contrite before the presence of God, broken and undone because of his love on the inside, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol. Um, the, the word there in many translations is to vanity, that you haven't put other things before you've put God. And I don't understand why you would put anything before God. Then people say, oh, do I have to go to church? You don't have to do nothing. But if you go to church, you're going to get royally blessed. Amen. You're going to be favored of the Lord. Do I have to live like a Christian? You don't have to do anything. You could have the privilege and the honor to be dignified as a son of the most high God upon this earth. And nobody can take that away from you. And you can decide to lift up your soul to vanity. To put other things before God. I want to challenge each one of you to grab your idols and to flush it down the toilet. This was a Christian church, some amens would be elicited. I've had to do that in my life. There's been times where things have come up in my heart. I remember one time I had season tickets to the Dolphins. I had, I had grabbed all my money and put it all the way into that stuff. And I was like, I'm going to the Dolphin game. And the Lord says, no, you're not going to put something above me. There will be a time in my life where I will have not all my money in that scenario, but I could use some of my money for recreation, for relaxation. There's no problem. But when you grab all your money and you put it in a place, and that's where your hidden God is. 
where you spend the majority of your time, the majority of your wealth and talents on things that are not God. And Billy Graham says you can tell a man's been converted by finding out where his money goes. Because where his money is, there his heart is also. So idolatry is that thing of lifting up your soul to things that are, and for each one of us, it's different. Some of you might idolatrize your mother-in-law. It's idolatry. Yeah, you might. Every good preaching has to have two mother-in-law applications. You can't idolatrize your mother-in-law. That's your father-in-law's job. To treat her like a queen. Okay, so here it is. You, let's go back to uh, Psalms 24, verse 4. Those who have clean hands, I, I want, listen to me, you're looking over at your neighbor's finger t- t- nails and you're like, mira que sucio está. Listen to me, look at yours, mister. You're looking over in your, your friend's social media and you're saying, look there. No, man, look at you. Look at you. You're not where God wants you, and you have too little time to prepare to get to that place. Leave other people alone. I have some of our youth are coming up and says, Pastor, people are not doing what you teach at, World, at, at Spring of Life. I said, I don't care. I, I, my responsibility is to teach. Their responsibility is to run for it. If they don't want it, that's their problem. They're not going to get it. They're not going to have it. You do the best you can. You running all out for God's best. And when you wait for God's best, you get God's best. But if you have other things that are lifted up in your soul, your emotions, if you have priority to other things, then you can't be where God wants you to be. Nor those who swear deceitfully. We all have um, the... Sinful nature in our lives to pretend. And, and, and I told, I had a conversation with a pastor this week. And he says, could you believe this? Look at all these, these mega churches and mega pastors. And they're doing nothing the Bible says. And they're doing everything wrong. And they're, I said, listen to me. Everything that's false is going to come down. You have to deal with things that are pretending. Because sooner than later, it'll be revealed. It'll be exposed. The hard work, the principle, the, the, the efforts of knowing or not knowing. Um, and it, you'll find out. Uh, Pastor, I'm an expert horse rider. Well, let's put you on the horse, baby. Let's see you rock and roll. Uh, I am a great baseball player. Let's put you on the baseball field, mister. Sooner than later, everything that is sworn deceitfully, everything that's false is not going to show up. It's, 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 the, the proof will implode. And I told this pastor, I said, don't waste your time looking at pastors doing things wrong. And I told them, make sure that we don't mess up. We shouldn't worry about the guy who's messing up or doing things wrong. Listen to me. Moses did not get into the promised land. And he was God's chosen vessel. So if the chosen leader of God did not come into God's provision, you and I... Listen to me, and this is why some people don't understand how radical I'm trying to figure out where are the landmines in my life. They're in different places in your life. Maybe you could have season tickets and not a worry in life. But if that is competing with my love for God, i got to get rid of it. And I sold my season tickets. Uh, There was 10 games left. I had only gone to two. And so that is, is super powerful. 
for you to sit there and say, what are the idols that are creeping up in my life? It might be a hobby. It, it might be a person. It might be a place. It might be a thing. So, so get these things out of your life because you won't be able to get where God wants you if you don't get there. And I'll have five minutes to hit on 1 Corinthians chapter 10 because that, <coughs> as we read last week about these things that keep us out of the promised land, there's an actual passage in the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It starts in verse 6, or we can start in verse 5. It says, these things... Most of those who left Egypt, God was not well pleased by. And their bodies ended up perishing in the desert. I don't think there's anything more awful than you start a Christian journey that has no promise. That you start a Christian relationship that ends up just like the world because you did things just like the world. And the fact that you own a Bible and go to a Christian church, if you act like the world, you reap like the world. And so the, the most shocking experience for a Christian is that, look what happened to me. She left me for somebody else. No dub, dodo bird. You did everything like the world. Why aren't you going to reap like the world? If you're going to reap something different, you got to sow something different. The only way you can sow something different is the spirit of God is alive in you. I love the testimonies to these young girls in our church who have gotten married recently. They said, we waited upon God, we did it God's way, and God delivered. We're living the fruit of our obedience and sacrifice and waiting upon the Lord. God is a faithful God. And so that is the reality. But it says, with most of them, I want you to underline most, because it's not going to be a lot of Christians that pay the price. Most of the Christians... It was not pleasing to God, and they perished as they were traveling to the land that flows with milk and honey. Verse 6 tells us a little bit about this. It says, now these things serve as our example. This is a great passage right after the book of Hebrews that talks about if there are better promises and a better covenant and a better name and a better sacrifice and a better tabernacle and a better ministry and better blood, then, then I want to inherit them, but not those, it says, to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. One of the biggest parts of keeping people out of what God wants is those competing interests with what you want. What do you want? The psalmist says, one desire I have, and this will I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That was his desire. What is your desire? To frequent the things of God? Um, to not establish them hardcore in your life? The, the lust that wars against uh, our lives, uh, things that pull. I've been, I've been dealing with this since high school. I was saying, Lord, why are things being attracting me to those things that don't please you? He says, yeah, that's the lust of the flesh. That's at one point in my Christian life, I said, Lord, it would be better if you poke out my eyes. Because if you poke out my eyes, I'll live as a better Christian because I won't be looking at sin and desiring things that these two little things, it says it's better to extract your eyes than to go to hell with your entire body. If anything is going to trip you up, be careful. Get it out of your life. 
These are like landmines, and you got to know which ones they are in your life and run for the hills. We used to have a saying at youth group, draw a line between good and bad. You know where that line is? You know where it is. Draw it. Draw where that line goes. You know how far you can talk, how far you could go, how near you come. Draw a line between what's right and wrong, and then haul butt a thousand miles away from that line. Why? So that if you're pushed or you're a, and you're and you could fall, you could trip, you could whatever, you're still on the good side. You gotta, you gotta, get, you can't say, "Mira que se cabota." Oh, this ain't bad, Pastor. I'm not. It takes just a little shove, and you're going to hell, my friend. Just one little nudge, and you'll lose your balance, and you'll lose everything. So why are you going to put everything on the line? And so lust is really powerful. Bible says that you should not lust after things that are not good as they lusted. So the lust factor is in your life. And famous last words, I will never, that'll never be me. You're, you're in it, my friend. You're in the poop because of the lust. It's an attraction. And, and, and Paul says like this, and we want to read 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. It says, flee youthful lust." One, two. Let's go to one, two. I got to get that. Super important. This, this passage on lust. Two twenty-two. Second Timothy two twenty-two. Flee youthful lust. What are the things? And you know something. I, I see people all the time. They're, they're married. They have four kids. They get on Facebook and they start looking for a, a high school or middle school sweetheart. You crazy? You insane? One of the pastors that were in our lives. Um, it, it was it was his wife's birthday. He had forgot. But you know who remembered? The eighth grade boyfriend. Eighth grade boyfriend goes into Facebook or I forgot what was the other one. MySpace, share with me. Hey, happy birthday. The husband didn't remember her birthday. And all of a sudden, he didn't even remember to take her out to dinner. You know who she went out to dinner with? Absolutely. She's going to be close to whatever is close in proximity. Flee this stuff. Get it out of your life. That, that word flee in Greek is fugo. That means fool, Go. Get the heck out of there. It's rocket propulsion. Don't come near anything that's going to bring you down. Don't talk to it. Don't, don't, don't look at it. Don't listen to it. Flush it down the toilet. Let it go to the sewer. Let it go far from your life. You need to deal with lust. The desires of the flesh that pull us away from righteousness, away from faith, away from love, peace. Just like those who call upon the Lord with a pure heart. You have to want God more than you want anything else. If, you, if you're stuck on lust, you're not going to make it. Titus 2.11 says the grace of God. The grace of God is the one that fights lust. Say with me, grace of God. Fall strong upon me. God gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud. This grace that brings salvation, it brings what God has for you, has appeared to all men. When the grace of God is strong in your life, verse 12 happens. It teaches you to deny ungodliness and world lust. 
When, when God's grace is evident, you're going to want the things the world does not want. You want more of God so that you might live soberly. So, so, Pastor, I'm so intoxicated with so many things. I'm just an emotional wreck. I don't know what to do. You need to get sober. And you do that with the grace of God, with his goodness, so that you might live righteously in this present age. Now. Verse 13. If you receive the grace of God that teaches you to deny ungodliness, you have an expectation of his appearing. The Lord's about to come back. You waiting for him, you dress for him, you're ready to receive your Savior, Savior with glorious garments. I don't want to be, I don't want to have anything on me that causes him to question my, my desire for him. That, 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 that births every conviction in my heart. It has nothing to do with religion. It has nothing to do with, with, with what people expect. It all emanates from him. Lord, how can I please you? How can I live in a manner that you died for me, you bled for me, you were beaten for me, you were crucified, you suffered the crown of thorns on your head, all for me. How can I, in front of that reality, live less than what you've given me? If I was thinking last week, if he's given us better than angels, better name, better ministry, better than priests, better than prophets, better mediator, better covenants, better sacrifice... What is the expectation that I offer him? Leftovers? I offer him something substandard? There's going to be greater presence in other things and other priorities, other affairs? No, my friend, you're crazy. You're crazy. If he's given me the best, I say, Lord, help me give you the best. Help me offer you. Help me not be lust-driven like these guys that never saw the, 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 the land that flows with milk and honey, the promised land. 2 Timothy 2.21 is right before the flee youthful lust. How do you do that? Verse 21 says, be strong in his grace. Allow you to offer your life in a way that, that you know your function, you know your life. The, the people that are not getting, I see this all the time because the girls, the girls that are about to get married, they go and get rid of their mustache. They go and they laser treatment. They go and fingernails. I was telling my nieces, they're going to ask you to get married. You better get those nails done. They're going to put a little ring on that. You want your, woo And they're like, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. You got to be ready. And if you're getting ready for something great, you're not sucking out of the sewer. You're not, you're not, you're not, you're not left to abandonment and ruin. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 7. Not only was lust keeping them out, but they said there was one more thing keeping them out. It says, and do not become an idolater. As were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down and ate and drank and rose up to play. They had zero sentiments in the direction of God. They didn't think for one second how they could put God in. In their life, the Bible says, a fool has God in none of his thoughts. All day long, he has no thoughts of, of how he could honor and glorify God. You guys were here on Wednesday night. I talked about going to City Hall. 
And I said, Lord, I don't want to just be going through the motions. I want to, my life needs to count. If I'm, I'm asked by City Hall to be a pastor to come and pray before they start their meetings, I don't just want to go there and pray and be part of a circus. I want to be a man of God that comes with the word of the Lord and pray. A word that is, and so when I got there a little bit early, they were, they were giving an award to one of the cops who, who stopped the man at the Donald Trump Resort. The cop that showed up on the scene is a sergeant. Um, he was able to disarm the man and arrest him, and it was a great scenario. Nobody got hurt, and so they were giving him a ward. And all the cops were there that morning, and the city uh, chief of police was there, the lieutenants, the, the captains, the sergeants, the, the, all the cops that were there. The city of Miami was there. The mayor was there, all the council. And they're like, man, you guys are the best police department, and you got the best cops, and you got the best law enforcement, and you kept our community safe. And I said, Sorry. I said, Mayor, could I pray because it was God that kept you guys safe? Amen. See, it wasn't just a, an ordinary day. I wasn't just going to be just a normal Christian. I was like, wait a second. Psalm 127 verse 1 says you could have the best law enforcement in the world. And if God doesn't keep the city in vain that we have cops and, and guns because our God is the one that watches over our safety. And the mayor says, oh, with all due respect, Pastor Molina, go ahead and pray. And thank God that we're all safe. And we go back to our wives and to our families as a police. Yeah, it's good to have courageous police, but it's also good to have God watch over the city. Amen. And there it is, Psalm 127. Unless the Lord is the one building the family, it doesn't matter how hard you try to build it. A lot of people say, oh, why don't I have a family that works? Because God that works is not in your family. Oh, what a bright idea. The Bible says the same thing. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who work at it work in vain. But if the Lord is not watching over the city, unless the, guard, the Lord, uh, it says, unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. So who's watching over your affairs? Let it be God. And don't let it rise up to the point of idolatry. Uh, again, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 7, idolatry kept some of those guys out. Some people could not have the little statues in their home, Santa Barbara and San Lazaro, but they have a secret shoebox with money in it. They could have, uh, you know, the, an affair. They, they, they have an extramarital. They have their um, pornographic magazine. All this fantasy, it says they became idolaters. I, I, I call idolatry the per proverbial carrot in front of your nose. What is the devil enticing to remove you from putting God first in your life? And then get rid of that thing with a passion. Get rid of with that, that thing with a landmine um, as if it were a landmine. I, I stay away from uh, Christians that are stuck on things like that. A friend of mine told me he was going to Vietnam and they were training him to uncover landmines. Those bombs that are un just right under the surface that you can't tell. And then when you step on them, you lose your life. These things that creep into your life. And, and he says that there was a guy in the class that never paid attention. He never sat down to learn how to deactivate a landmine. So the final exam, he came over. He says, let me help you. He goes, oh, <coughs> nowhere near me, my friend. You go do the one next to the tree over there. Cuando tú revientes... When your life blows up, I won't have any blood and guts on me. So you get away from me. You're not taking Christianity serious? I am. You want to wreck your life and your family? You're not going to wreck mine. 
You're not going to affect because you don't take God serious. And, and the guy went over there, and he kept on working on his landmine. All of a sudden, a couple minutes later, and with the force of that landmine, it still moved him from what he was doing. So here it is. If you have idolatry in your life, it's just a matter of time before that thing ruins your life. That's why God gives us these things. It's not only lust, it's idolatry. What's next on the list of these five things that will keep you from the, from the, from the land that flows with milk and honey? First one, lust. Second one, idolatry. Verse 8. Some of them also committed sexual immorality. This is number three, as some of them did, and in one day, one, one of these little sex bombs, 23,000, the devil was able to take 23,000 Israelis leaving Egypt that were slaves to go to the promised land through sex Immorality. And you're like, what, what is that? Hmm, sexual immorality. Listen, when you're engaged in, in manners of intimacy that are not consistent with the word of the Lord, I can tell you on more than in a thousand occasions, I'll run from that. And, and in the last couple of weeks, there's one of the biggest churches in Chicago called Willow Creek. It's senior pastor Bill Hybels was removed from the, as a pastor, and all the elders of the church had to quit because they were not careful with sexual immorality. So they're going through a huge crisis, over 20,000 people in a congregation because of one man's immorality. Now let me ask you, and I've told people that before, there's a pastor, um, you know something, I fell into sin, I'm with another woman. I asked them, like, how would you like a pastor like that? So if, if, if God is keeping me from going into the flow of sexual immorality, I pray God keeps you, my friend. And I pray that we have holy fellowship so we keep each other from falling. Because everything has happened. They, 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 you do the list. The strongest man, Samson, fell because of a woman in his sexual intimacy. The smartest man, Solomon, fell because of woman. The uh, man whose heart was nearest to God's heart, David, fell because of his not watching this. So the strongest, the smartest, the man who's closer, the first man, the perfect man, Adam, was swayed by leaving his devotion to God. And so you ask yourself, you say, but not me, pastor, because yo soy Pepe el Chévere. Listen, my friend, you better run for your life. Run for your life from anything that even remotely even suspects. This smells fishy. I'm getting out of here. There must be fish in this place. There must be something that's rotten. And so the men who walk in lust, who walk in idolatry, who don't care for sexual immorality in various portions. Right now, the internet is the biggest flood tide of sexual twistedness. Uh, they asked Kanye West. They were, just, he was, there was, uh, they were interviewing him two days ago. And they said, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your life and share with us. He goes, what, my porn hub? My, my looking into pornography? Yeah, I like black and white pornography. And so he, he was unfazed and unashamed. In our generation, it's, it's bizarre to see men that don't even have an embarrassment of their appetite into sexual immorality. 
And, and so they're laughed at. They're, they're thought that it's no big problem. Listen, uh, Bill Gothard, and, and incidentally, he was removed from ministry for the same thing, sexual scandal. He had to remove himself from a 50-year a trek in godly ministry. He used to teach these things. He had the one, two, threes for stay away from sexual bondage and sexual uncleanness. And he had it all this. And guess what? He falls. He falls. And so if we're not careful to understand that this thing has saturated the culture, your six-year-old son and daughter are watching this stuff on the internet. And you're unbeknownst to the crap that is flowing. So he used to teach to grab sexual intimacy and to deal with it outside of marriage is to bring it to consume your entire house. Your children will be destroyed by the lust of sexual feud. Let's go to verse 9. It is lust. It is idolatry. It is sexual immorality. It says that another thing that kept them out of inheriting a land of milk and honey was that some tempted Christ. So let us not tempt Christ as some of them do and, and, and also tempted him and were destroyed by serpents. If you start challenging who God is and what you think he should be, you're, 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 the devil's playing with your brain. Don't let the devil play with your brain. Be careful that you not become an embodied emotional monster, that everything is based on sentiment and how I feel. I want to tell you something. I told the youth when I was invited two weeks ago to their, to their youth summer loving series. I said, because you feel something means absolutely nothing. Amen. Oh, pastor, I feel sad. I quit feeling like that. Oh, pastor, I feel that nobody likes me. Quit feeling like that. Well, Pastor, I feel that something bad's going to happen. Quit feeling like that. Quit being a feel monster. Quit tempting Christ. You're not into a soul-led life. This is uh, nobody knows the troubles I've... And you feed that sentiment monster, and it becomes outrageous, and there's no spirit. The Bible says, feed the spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Your soul life, you got to be careful. I want to sing the blues, pastor. Don't sing the blues. Sing, sing the, the spirit songs. Quit listening to Chicago's greatest hits. It's, it's going to feed your soul. And the Bible says those who tempted Christ and started thinking like Christ did not think. When you start, you start posturing arguments against what Christ has said. Oh, I don't believe that that happens like he said it happens. You don't have to be so radical. Like, Listen to me. You're going to be wiped out in a second. You're not going to have another opportunity. You're going to be destroyed. Don't tempt Christ. Don't challenge him. Don't posture your thoughts against him. In two seconds, the serpents will destroy you. And finally, verse 10, it says, they did not enter because they murmured. They complained. Nor complain as some of them did also complain, and they were destroyed by Satan himself. They were destroyed by, you know, every time... And, and we hear complaints all day. From the time I'm, I wake up, complain, 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 complain. Complain, the referee. I hear all this complaining. I was like, listen, let's pray for somebody. Let's say, Lord, have mercy. Extend your grace. 
Make them stronger. Make them better. Make them faster. Allow them to accomplish your purpose. Allow them to fulfill. Allow them to align their hearts. Turn your complaining into prayer. People say, well, how do I pray without ceasing? The Bible says pray without ceasing. I say, just like you complain, my brother. You complain without ceasing, so now pray. Turn your complaint into prayer. My husband does it. My husband does it. My husband does it. Lord, give my husband grace. Make him stronger, Lord. Make him better, Lord. Give him, give him courage, Lord. Let him buy me a birthday gift, Lord. Let him remember my anniversary, Lord. Let him bring me a perfume bottle, Lord. Let him remember that I haven't had a dress in 10 years, Lord. Let him remember my shoe size, Lord. In Jesus' name, Lord, you overpower him. Make him a strong man of God. Raise him up, Lord. Make him a champion. Make him a prince. Let him preach the gospel. Let him be filled with strength, oh God. Make him the champion you intended from the beginning. In Jesus' name. Not staying outside of milk and honey because you complain. You've become a complainer, a whiner. These guys who complain, I see them all the time. Um, these journalists, they, 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 they're called critics. They stand up there in the skybox and they go, oh, look at him. He fell again. He didn't throw the ball like he should. He fumbled the ball. Look, he didn't get two yards. He got away. Hey, bozo, get that helmet on. You get down there and try and do something. You're just a critic. You're a food critic. You're a clothes critic. You're a makeup critic. You're a social critic. You're a psychological critic. You're a theological critic. You've criticized everybody except your mother-in-law. Let's give a hand to the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Absolutely. And the Bible says there, let's finish it off. These are the things that kept these guys out of this land. It was lust. It was idolatry. It was sexual immorality. It was uh, testing the Lord, contempt the Lord. It was complaining, murmuring. Now all these things happen to them as examples, and they're written down for our admonition upon whom the ends, there it goes again. You guys remember? Are we at the ends of the earth? Yes, we are. How do you know? Verse 11 says it, upon those whom the ends of the ages have come, the end. We're right there at the end. This is the last generation in the fulfillment of God's purpose. And you're like, Pastor, you think the Lord's going to come? Yes. Do everything in your might to be known as a servant of God. Amen. Keep away from lust. Keep away from idolatry. Keep away from sexual sin. Keep away from contempting the Lord. Challenging God. Well, if you were God, I would have a brand new car. If you were God, I would have a house. If you were God, listen to me. He is God and you're a dodo bird. Your contempt before the Lord doesn't allow you to inherit what he has for you. Turn that stuff around in Jesus' name. God is talking to us these things because there's a land that we're to inherit that flows with milk and honey. We're going we're gonna to touch upon, the next couple of weeks, we're going to touch upon the seven, seven deadly sins. Those things that creep into our lives to sit there and, 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 and jinx us. And, and remove us from God's purpose. We talked to the men last week that if pride is in your life, you're not going to inherit God's goodness. You're not going to see it. So get rid of it. And we'll, talk, we'll start talking about that soon. Could we stand up today and thank the Lord for his word? Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you've given to us not only better provisions, like in the book of Hebrews, so that we could enter in and press forward, like the champions of faith, but there's five things that kept people out of the promised land. Their li lives were more about lust than love. 
It was about taking and not giving. So they fell outside of your provision. Their lives were about idolatry. They went to bow down and serve other things that were not you. And so they were kept out in the desert and perished. Because they had other priorities. They were known for other things. Other things excited them except you. Thank you, Lord, that you have delivered us from the passions of the lust of the flesh. Sexual immorality. We know how to keep away from it like a plague. To flee youthful lust. To turn our eyes from things that do not benefit and bring us to your provision. Father, many men have fallen. Many women have fallen through sexual immorality. Let it not be named among us through your grace that sustains us. Father, it was those who tempted Christ, who argued, who, who fought with the Lord, who, who questioned his authenticity, his promises that perished in the desert. May we never question your goodness. You're good at levels that we could never even understand. Your love extends higher than the heavens. You don't love, you are love. You don't know how to do anything but express the essence of who you are. Lord, and, and clip our tongues to not complain, our hearts to not be embittered. These things keep us away from the milk and land that flows with milk and honey. Father, allow us in your grace to move forward as a mighty army inheriting the promises of God in our lives. That these things would be our reality and, and not our fantasy and not our religion. That we not be lifted up to vainful things. That our soul would not be the leading cohort in our existence. But that your spirit, and we be not drunk with intoxicating drink, but that we be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's the answer. That's the answer. That we be filled with a measure of the Holy Ghost that would allow us to live in a manner that is free and not enslaved and captive. We glorify your name, Lord. We ask for your healing, your forgiveness, your cleansing. We ask for your strength. We ask for your grace, Lord, that we would be strong in your grace to flee youthful lusts, the passions and the flesh of our youth. Give us righteousness. Give us faith, Lord. Let us pursue those things that keep us strong for you. And Lord, we pray financial blessing over this house. We pray that we would abide under the shadow of the Most High God, that everything our hands does prospers, Lord, that there be relationships that there would be corporations that would signify a love and a passion for God above mammon. That we might bless peoples upon the earth with your goodness, with your gospel. Thank you for Jesus Christ who died on the cross for us. Thank you for his blood that washes away our sin. Thank you, Lord, for prosperity and success in the presence of God. This we pray in Jesus' name and the house of God says amen, amen, amen. amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. Hallelujah.